And let me pray with everybody who's in here now. I'm going to give you a little, um, little uh, preparation for next week when we're going to begin 1 Thessalonians, which is an incredible, incredible letter from Paul. Probably his earliest one, but we're going to look at that in a minute. But let's pray that God will speak to us tonight, because what I want to talk to you about, I think, is one of the reasons the enemy has been able to make headway in our country. Matter of fact, there's no doubt about it. Here's the reason. Biblical illiteracy. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about the curse of biblical illiteracy, and then what can we do about it? Because I believe our church is one church among many that are called to do something about it. And so let's pray together. Father, we just thank you tonight for your word that is mighty. It's a fire. It's a healing balm. It is a light. And we pray that, Lord, you will anoint this message as we prepare to get into your word next week on 1 Thessalonians, that you will give us light tonight on why churches all over America, rather than throwing the Bible out, need to be bringing it in more strongly than ever. We ask you, Lord, to minister your truth to us, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, can you say with me, no longer illiterate? All right. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the same thing, and let's... uh, Let's look at this. Amen. Now, what I want, Judy, is I want that list. I don't know where Heidi is. It's a, it's not there. Okay. All right. Let's just move on. A growing problem in America, seriously, is one of biblical illiteracy. Not just by those in the world, but also those where? In the church, biblically illiterate. Now, I'm about to show you some things you're not going to believe, but it's true. Now, pollster George Gallup of, we all know the phrase Gallup poll, uh, wrote these words. Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, uh, they don't read it. It sits on the coffee table for when visitors come over. Don't read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. Now, isn't that sad? Because no place in the world has more Bibles than America. I mean, there's so many versions, I can't keep up with them, and I'm a Bible teacher. Now, he goes on, how bad is it? Consider these results from various surveys. How biblically illiterate are Americans? Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. This is from Gallup poll. Many professing Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. Think about that. We were founded on Christianity. Let's move on. 60% of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. Here's one. 82% of Americans believe, quote, God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. (laughs) How many of you believe that? Come on. All right. It gets worse. Buckle your seatbelts. 12% of adults believe Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> That's not a joke. These were polled by Gallup. I mean, it makes sense. You know, Joan of Arc, Noah's... Okay. 
A survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% thought Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. 50%. Well, that doesn't surprise me because they took the Bible out of school. And the Bible is the cornerstone of all education. Did you know that? Do you believe that? It's not a book of myths and fables and, and you know, Brothers Grimm. It's not there with Greek mythology or, or any of the other uh, mythological um, um, aspects of history. Not at all. The Bible is the Word of God. It's the cornerstone of all genuine education. And that's the way it used to be handled in America. Now, a considerable number of respondents to one poll indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. Again, Barna writes, increasingly America is biblically illiterate. Now, the reason I'm going over this is because our church has been called to teach the Word of God, the whole counsel of God. This is why on Wednesday nights we don't just putter around or not have Wednesday nights. We use Wednesday nights, we do Wednesday nights to teach whole books. Because all Scripture, not some, not a few pet verses, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Well, if it's all given by inspiration of God, why would we neglect any of it? It's all inspired by... Theonoustos, breathed out by God. God breathed out, moved on holy men of old that were moved on by the Holy Ghost, and they wrote down what the Spirit of God led them to write. So yes, we are here inerrantists. We believe there are no flaws, no mistakes in the original manuscripts, in the Word of God, none. Even Jesus was an inerrantist. Jesus said, not one jot, not one tittle will pass away from the law till every bit of it is fulfilled. So, here we are in a biblically illiterate nation, and let me ask you a question before we go on. Are we showing it? I mean, are we seeing the signs and the consequences of a biblically illiterate nation? Oh man, frighteningly so. Biblical illiteracy is like a poison, wreaking havoc in the lives of individuals, in our churches, in our communities. It is poison. It is poison by omission. It's poisonous. Now, to understand how true this is, consider the following. First, how does it affect individuals when you take the Word of God out of your life or when the Word of God is in, in your life? Here's what God's Word says, that God's people have always been destroyed. Now that word destroyed in the Hebrew means ruined. Have always been ruined through lack of knowledge or lack of knowing the Word of God and thus the God of the Word. How do we know God? We know God from His Word. That's how you know God. If you want to get to know somebody, you read the letters they write to you. Okay? Hosea 4, 6, can you read this with me? My people, whose people? Now turn to your neighbor and say, that be you. Say, my people are destroyed, ruined for lack of knowledge. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So let's reverse that. The less truth you know, the less free you are. We're not just talking about any truth, not data truth or informational truth. We're talking about the truth of God as revealed in the Scriptures. The more you know it, the more free you become. So, where there is a lack of God's Word, the Bible says the people faint. They faint in everyday life. They faint without the Word of God. Amos 8, 11 through 13. Can you read this with me? The days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a time upon the land when the people will be very hungry. They will not be hungry for bread or thirsty for water, but they will be hungry to hear the words of the Lord. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you, America is there. There is a famine in the land. And the famine is a famine for the Word of God. Do you know how rare it is? And I hate to say this, and I'm certainly not patting myself on the back. I say it with a broken heart. How rare it is for churches in America to stand up and take their people through the whole books of the Bible. And there is a famine now in our country for, to hear the Word of the Lord. And look what happens. He says, people begin to get desperate. When there's no word from the Lord. Look what he says in verse 12. People will go from sea to sea, from the north to the east. They will go from place to place to look for the word of the Lord. They'll drive down 35 in terrible traffic. For the word of the Lord. They're starving, dying to hear a word from the Lord because it's not on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSLSD, or any of those. (laughs) The word of the Lord, there's a famine, and unfortunately in a lot of our churches there's a famine. And I'm not being critical. I'm speaking now to you, and I'm speaking to, uh, I believe, many preachers by radio We've got to get back to the Word of God. There is a famine in the land. And if, and if you want people coming to your church, break open the bread. Now God says, when He sends a famine on the land, a famine for the Word of God, they'll go everywhere, place to place, looking for the Word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Not if God sends the famine. On that day, the beautiful, the pure young women and the young men will lose their strength and fall because of thirst for the Word of the Lord. That's why the last book that ought to be gathering dust in our house is the Bible. It ought to be worn out. He whose Bible is worn out probably isn't. The pages ought to be greasy and dirty They ought to be all marked up and frayed and tattered. It ought to be falling apart. He whose Bible is falling apart probably isn't. Some of you pray about that on the way home and it will occur to you. Now, Amos says that in ignorance, people make wrong choices when they don't have the word of the Lord. Guarantee you, get the word of the Lord out of your life, you're going to start making bad decisions. Wrong choices. When they stumble, they don't know where to turn. When you don't have the word of the Lord, when you stumble, you don't know where to turn. Oh, gosh. I read these things. I just read the Bible. I read these verses, and it breaks my heart because I see a nation 
spiraling down the tube. Because we've said, well, we don't need the Bible in our schools. We don't need the Bible in the minds of our children. We don't need the Bible in the public square. We don't need people praying in the name of Jesus. We don't need God mentioned in public. Uh, we're, we're fine, God. Take a hike, God. And, and now look what's happened. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see what happens when you get the Word of God out of your life. Take the Word of God out of your life for six months. You're going to drift. Without a knowledge of God's Word, a person has no real direction or guidance in his life. I, I, I love Psalms 119.105. Can we read it together? Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, Kathy and I lived in East Texas for uh, seven years, and there were snakes everywhere. I'm just telling you. Now, some of you ladies are going to be pulling your feet up off the floor as I talk, but because I'm, I'm going to talk. But I got to tell you, there were snakes everywhere. I killed a snake a day, a poisonous one a day. We lived in the country on four acres where a creek ran through our land. And I, and I killed a, just about a poisonous snake a day. And if you went out at night, you took a flashlight. Now, the flashlight didn't show a mile down the road. It showed right in front of your feet. And you kept it right there. You know where you kept it? You kept it where you were going to take the next step. Because there were snakes everywhere. You see where I'm going with this. There are snakes everywhere, spiritually speaking. And he says, your word is that light that I shine at my feet. And if there's a snake and I'm walking in the word of God, it will shine on it and expose it. And I will be spared a snake bite. The, the word is valuable. We can't do without it. You can do without a lot of things, but you can't do without the word of God can't do it. And we need the whole Word of God. We need the whole book of 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Hebrews, James, Ephesians, Colossians. We need them all. Love letters from God. Now, there's no true joy or peace in life without the Word of God. Read with me Psalms 119 verse 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are what? The joy of my heart. Just try something. Try meditating in the Word of God, picking a verse or two for a week. Just, just pick something to memorize and meditate on daily and see if it doesn't bring forth joy in your heart. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing for me. Thou hast put off my sackcloth. He does it by the Word of the Lord. Your statutes, your Word is the joy or the rejoicing of my heart. How many lives, not just of those in the world, but in the church, are being destroyed? How many people are stumbling through life? How many here tonight? How many, well, probably not here tonight because you're here on a Wednesday night to hear the Word of God. And I promise you, if you'll let me, you will not be biblically illiterate. You will not be. Because they do not have the light of God's Word guiding them. How many people who, who are saved, going to heaven, but they're out there stumbling around, making bad decisions because they don't live in the Word. They don't read the Word. They don't have devotionals. They don't spend time going over it. They don't take a pen with them when they get into their Bible and mark it up and make notes. And like I tell you, if, if you'll just take a pen with you when you open up your Bible in the morning and, and you may not feel at all like getting into it, but just open it and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. 
then he's more than happy to, because the anointing you have received, the Bible says, assures that you don't need that any man teach you, but the anointing you have received will teach you all by yourself. And then take a pen. And then when it jumps out, when something speaks to you, just make a little note and date it. Date your Bible. I mean, my Bible, I've got a Bible that's so old now, goes all the way back to the 90s. And I, and I, I see what, you know, what, I was, what, what God was saying to me and what he was speaking to me and what I made notes about. And I can go all the way back and track what God has spoken to me and shared with me and made real to me because it's dated. You're, live in your Bible. Live in the Word of God. You'll walk with the God of the Word. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask then what you want and it shall be done for you when when you're filled with the words of jesus see how important it is abide in me how do you do that and my words abide in you that's how you abide in the lord by his words abiding in you and when you those words are abiding in you that means they're alive it's like popcorn inside of you pop 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 the truth of god is coming alive to you then he says, that's when you go, Lord, would you please do this and that and the other? He said, it'll be done for you when you're filled with the Word of God. Boy, I'll tell you, this is good preaching. I should have done this Sunday. Now, what, what about the effect on churches when there's no Word in churches? Churches languish tonight for lack of teachers. And teachers are few because of lack of knowledge. Read with me what Paul said. I think Paul said he wrote Hebrews, so I'm just going to take license and say Paul. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but I think it's Pauline. But now, read it with me. By now you should be teachers. Whoa, who? Some of you. Instead, you need, read with me, you need someone to teach you again. The first things you need to know from God's Word. You still need milk instead of solid food. Do you hear the frustration in the author's voice? And of course, the author is ultimately the Holy Spirit. So God is frustrated. He's saying, there, there's some of you, as I look down there on the churches, who ought to be teaching the Word of God, yet you're having to go back and learn the same things all over again when you ought to be way further down the road. Some of you ought to be teachers. But instead, I'm having to feed you milk instead of solid food because you can't even take solid. You would choke on solid food. You would gum it to death. Now, churches are led astray because, there's, because the Word of God is, is absent from the church to a great extent. I mean, not all of them. There's some great, don't get me wrong, great churches that definitely teach the Word of God. But i got to tell you, folks, if we're not in an apostasy, then I don't know what apostasy is. If we're not seeing whole denominations throw the Bible out the back door, ordaining people in perverted lifestyles, marrying people of the same gender, Hello, what? Didn't Jesus say? Quoting Genesis, God created them male and female, didn't he? 
I mean, well, you're a hater, Pastor Jeff. Oh, please, stop it. I don't hate anybody. I hate sin, and I hate this foolishness. You're not going to get away with calling me a hater. I think theft is wrong, too. So therefore, therefore, I, I, I don't hate the thief, but I hate the theft. I love the thief, and I want to see him saved. That doesn't make me a kleptophobe. I'm sorry. I mean, isn't that true? Come on. Every time you disagree with somebody, you're a hater? So I can't have an opinion without being a hater? No. That doesn't fly with me. Churches are led astray by false teachers and false doctrine because the people don't know the Word. How can the ignorant know what is false? How can those who have never been taught recognize something that's false? 2 Peter 2, verse 1 to 3, Peter warns us, there were also false prophet, uh, prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. There will be. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many, and he's talking about church people here, will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Why? Because they didn't know the truth in the first place as they weren't well taught. How many churches are dying on the vine or falling into wholesale apostasy? Because their members cannot discern between truth and error because they've not been taught truth or error. Do you know what one of my callings are? Here, let me show you. In fact, God has called preachers and teachers of the Word of God to do this. Quote from Ezekiel 44:23. He tells preachers and teachers, teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy and cause them to discern between what is unclean and what is clean. That's the call of God on preachers and teachers of the Word of God. We're not supposed to put our seal of approval on any old thing people want to do. We're supposed to stand up here and say, this is light, this is dark, this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. <clears throat> this is unclean and this is clean. And yet churches are throwing that calling right out the door. Not all of them again. There's some great churches. But I'm saying to me, we're watching at least a partial apostasy in America. What about its effect on communities, our culture, our society, when the Word of God is taken out? Here's what happens, guarantee you. Our standards of morality are skewed, and evil becomes good, and good becomes evil. We are in an upside-down, topsy-turvy, good is bad, bad is good, right is wrong, and wrong is right, and unclean is now clean, and clean is now unclean. Isaiah the prophet warned, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those people. And how do they get away with that? Well, if there's a mist in the pulpit... There's a fog in the pews. We've got to get back to teaching the Word of God. We've got to get back to opening up that and not being ashamed of it. Not wanting to hide it. God's not looking for professionals. He's not looking for entertainers. He's looking for preachers and teachers of the Word of God. This can only happen when the Word of God has been forsaken, when good is bad and bad is good. 
in a culture when it gets that way. It's easy to see what's happened to American culture as we have turned aside from God's Word. Here's what's happened. We slaughter the innocent. Abortion, sparing the guilty. No capital punishment. We stand for the criminal and we persecute the righteous. We reward the wicked, movie stars. Yes, I said movie stars. I did say some of those movie stars. I never, what is a star? Aren't they just like you and me? Don't they put on their pants one leg at a time? I don't like stars. I don't like celebrities. That is, I don't like the phrase. I like the people. Don't know any of them. But I'm saying I don't like the phrase because they're not better than you and me. Stars? What's the, the only star I know is right up there. That's the only star I know. Whoa, Pastor Jeff, you came fired up tonight. Well, I, I'm, just, I'm just teaching you why we're going through books, why we're spending time like we do in the Word of God. We persecute the good, those standing for Christ and His Word. I was reading that this Sunday there's a well-known pastor in our city, well, in Dallas, who's going to preach a message on why America can't be saved. And all we can do is prolong its judgment. And he says, why? Because the Supreme Court has made several decisions that doomed our country. Now, I, I agree with that, except unless God were to send an awakening. And that's where my prayer is going to be. Now, divorce is made easy in our country now. No fault divorce. Adultery is looked upon lightly. Fornication is called a relationship. Homosexuality and alternative lifestyle when the Word of God is laid aside. The effect of these things on our society is to destroy our families and communities. Now listen carefully, church. When the family is destroyed, the country is gone. It's gone. There isn't anything left because this family is the pillar of a country. So even the psalmist said, if the foundations are destroyed, it leaves the righteous feeling helpless because it reaches a point where there's not a whole lot you can do anymore once those foundations are destroyed. So you can either sit back and play a violin and eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die, or you can decide that you and me and us together are going to be a part of a solution. And I'm telling you, part of the solution is to come on strong with the Word of God. Now, evil in the form of pornography, promiscuity are allowed to spread in the name of freedom. All the while, it rips families apart. And the Bible is banned. Folks, this is insanity. Our children can't pray in school, but hey, they're giving books promoting perversion and sanctioning sin. And you know what my Jesus said about that? Whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, it's better for them if they had a millstone tied around their neck and they were thrown in the depths of the ocean, then they should make one of these little ones to stumble. I would not want to be in the shoes of the National Education Agency. Those that are putting together these so-called textbooks that are corrupting the minds of our children. Oh, Lord, help us. 
In Jeremiah's day, the Bible records what condition God's people were in prior to God's judgment. Jeremiah says repeatedly, if you read the book of Jeremiah, eight, nine, ten times he says, they all follow the dictates of their own hearts rather than the word of God. And therein lies the danger. You can follow the dictates of your heart and it'll take you away from God. You can follow the teaching of the word, it'll take you towards the Lord. In the days of the judges, it was the same thing. Judges 21, 25, it says in those days there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in his own eyes. Doesn't that sound like political correctness to you right there? My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. Don't try to put your truth on me. Let's just all get along and let's just all do what we consider to be right. It took them down. Now consider how the moral fabric of our nation and others in the world are becoming unraveled because everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. The poison of biblical illiteracy has infected and sickened our people, our churches, our communities, our homes. Is there an antidote to this poison? Say it with me. Yes, but it's going to require effort, folks. It's an uphill climb from here. Are you ready? The antidote to biblical illiteracy. One daily devotional Bible reading in private. I already preached on this 15 minutes ago, but here we go again. Daily devotional Bible reading in private. The truly blessed person feeds on the Word of God daily. How many of you want to be blessed? You want to be blessed? Well, watch this now. Psalms 1, 1 to 3. Read it with me. Happy is the man who does not walk in the way sinful men tell him to or stand in the path of sinners or sit with those who laugh at the truth but he finds joy in the law of the Lord and thinks about his law day and night what's gonna happen when you do that this man is like a tree planted by rivers of water which gives its fruit at the right time its leaf never dries up Whatever he does will work out well for him. Can we read that last sentence again? Whatever he does will work out well. Wow. I wish I could say I had a green thumb. I don't. I don't have a green thumb. I love planting flowers, but some of them die on me. I planted four bushes in the spring. Three have died. One lives. And it's a brave little bush. I mean, it's standing there green. And I, I got to thinking, why did the, because uh, they were right in the same area. Three died, one lived. And so, of course, you know, I want to know. I, I, I started looking and I realized when the sprinkler went off, it sprinkled in such a way that the water went underground and just happened to reach the roots of that one bush. The rest of them did not get reached. And I looked at that one little green bush and I thought, he who meditates in the, day of, in the word of the Lord day and night will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water while everything else around him or her is dying. He won't, she won't, because they have an inner source. They have an inner strength. They have an inner source of water. And it is, hey, everybody around me is fainting, dying, gasping for air, but not me. Why? Because I'm a tree planted in the Word of God. I meditate in it day and night. So I'm green. I'm green. 
He promises such a blessing that whatever you do is going to work out well for you. God's promise, a systematic practice of prayerful Bible reading as part of a daily devotional. Here's the promise. will bring a person closer to God. It'll gradually increase your understanding of the Word of God and the God of the Word and His ways. And it will offer strength and comfort and hope only, only the Bible can provide. Remember, the picture that Amos drew of us of people searching in a famine for the Word of God and fainting and making wrong decisions, but not the person who stays in the Word. Now, are you willing to do your part every day in stamping out biblical illiteracy? Hmm? Well, that was about four of you. Yeah, well, yeah. I want to go pray about that. I, uh, come on. Our, <laughs> this is on tape, everybody. This is on radio. So we'll edit that part. Let's try it. Are you willing to do your part every day in stamping out biblical illiter- illiteracy? Yeah. <laughs> All right. A second antidote to biblical illiteracy. Frequent, in-depth Bible study with other people. The faithful Christian realizes the value of mutual edification. We need one another. As one preacher said, we've got to one another, one another. Okay? Hebrews 10, 24, 25. I love the way this version puts it. Let's help each other to love others and to do good. Let us not stay away from church meetings. Some people are doing this all the time. I just sit at home and watch Joel Osteen. That's what I'm told sometimes. Well, Joel won't marry your living, and he won't bury your dead, and he doesn't, you can't reach him, and you can't talk to him, and there's 40,000 people there, so come to your own church. All right. Now, <laughs> I'm just having a little bit of fun tonight. But he says some people are doing this all the time. He said way back then. Comfort each other as you see the day of his return coming near. So we are to edify one another, encourage one another, and get into the Bible together. And what's God saying to you? What's he saying to me? Now, question, are you willing to participate in such activities to stamp out biblical illiteracy? Yes. Here's the third and last antidote. Parents accepting their God-given responsibility. Now, Don't gripe about the commandments being taken out of the school if they're not stuck on your refrigerator. I'm going to meddle a little bit now. I did that. I used to get up and rant and rave about the commandments being taken out of the school, off the school wall, but there was no set of the commandments in my house prominently displayed. And so I got convicted about it. And so I did something on the computer where every one of the commandments is a different color. And it's on a slick piece of paper really nice paper, and it is magnetized to my refrigerator. You can't get anything out of that refrigerator without seeing the commandments. I'm serious. You go to, you go to get that chocolate, thou shalt not. But there it is, prominently displayed. Because it is so, I read them all the time. Because they're there. 
So parents, God gave the responsibility of spiritual training to you and to me. Deuteronomy 6, 6-7, read this with me. Keep these words in your heart, he says to moms and dads, that I am telling you today, keep reading, do your best to teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Did you hear that? All the time you're talking about the Word of God, all the time. So if they stray, they're straying against light. The church may provide assistance with children's classes, but parents should not abdicate their responsibility. It's just a fact. Parents should be very much involved in the teaching of their own children. Here we go. Are you willing to accept your duties as a parent to stamp out biblical illiteracy? Yes. Preachers fulfilling their duty to the word, and I'm gonna, and we're doing good. Preachers are to give heed to the word. If the preacher isn't doing it, where are we? The preacher is to preach the word. First Timothy or first uh, Titus. There's no first Titus. It's Titus four sixteen. Take heed to yourself. This is one of the great passages for pastors and preachers and their listeners. Because watch this. Watch what will happen to you if you are under somebody who's ministering the word. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. He says to the preacher. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save, and that word is sozo, it means heal, preserve, and rescue, both yourself and who? Those who hear you. So if you're under somebody who is teaching and preaching the word of God, it rescues and heals and preserves you. So you can't afford to be under somebody who's getting up trying to be funny or entertaining, and they're not ministering the word. You will die. We should expect preachers to be men of the book, not entertaining the church with pop theology and pop psychology. Are you willing to require that preachers, now some of you listening by radio, listen. If your church isn't ministering the Word of God, you may need to look for one that is. Are you willing to require that preachers proclaim the word to stamp out biblical illiteracy? Yes. Now, in closing, I'm going to close with this. Dr. Albert Muller wrote these words. We will not believe more than we know. And we will not live higher than our beliefs. Show me the way you're living, and I will show you your theology. The many fronts of Christian compromise in this generation can be directly traced to biblical illiteracy in the pews and the absence of biblical preaching and teaching in our homes and our churches. This generation, he goes on to write, must get deadly serious about the problem of, bi of biblical illiteracy or a frighteningly large number of Americans, Christians included, will go on thinking that Sodom and Gomorrah lived happily ever after. All right, can we stand together? How many of you are ready for First, Th First Thessalonians next week? Amen. Now, are we willing to get deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy? If so, then let's read this together.
Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that you have given us this precious word that martyrs' blood got this Bible into our hands. Tyndale and Wycliffe and others gave their very lives so that we could have it. And Lord, it is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. It teaches us about you and about us. And Lord, we pray that this will be a church that worships you in spirit and in truth and also is very wise in the scriptures. Now I want to ask us to pray a prayer before we go tonight. I want you to pray, Lord, in the weeks to come, change my life through the word of God. Teach me as we look at 1 Thessalonians.